Hey, everybody, uh, we're off for another few weeks, but I would like to bring you a very special rebroadcast of our original episode featuring the blues man legend himself, Bobby Rush. And why are we bringing back this special episode? Well, it is his 87th birthday today. And I have to be honest with you guys, I've talked to over 150 artists on this show, and this may be one of my all-time favorite conversations. And so many people did not hear this yet, so I wanted to bring it to you again. So I grew up in Chicago listening to a lot of blues music with my dad, and Bobby may be one of the last living legends who actually played with icons like Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf. And you know what? He has never stopped creating. He has put out his 27th studio record, Rawer Than Raw, this year, and was nominated for another Grammy Award. As artists, we are inherently doubtful about our own abilities. We question whether anyone will ever recognize if our songs are worth listening to. If you ever think about giving up, Take a look at Bobby Rush's career. He recorded 370 recordings over 60 years before he was nominated and then won a Grammy Award at 83 years old. As much as I hate saying it, it is still not safe to play music live right now in person, so you can go online and watch Bobby accept the Crossroads of American Music Award presented by the Grammy Museum Mississippi on November 12th. Check it out if you can. Uh, Bobby is not your average 87-year-old. He can still kick ass live, and I really love watching him play. And as much as I would love to wax poetic about the amazing win over tyranny that happened in our country last week, I will ask you instead to go on Bobby Rush's Instagram, yes, 87-year-olds have Instagram, and check out the moving post he put up about the late, great John Lewis. On March 7, 1965, John Lewis, Martin Luther King Jr., and a group of civil rights activists and peaceful protesters were marching across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, and they were beaten down brutally by the white police force as the whole world watched on television. You have to remember that this is not that long ago. This is when my father was 10 years old. And not long after the governor of Alabama, George Wallace, was running for president in the primaries of 1964 under the slogan, Segregation Now and Segregation Forever. Now, we may have moved on a bit from those times, and yet this election felt reminiscent of those days. Would our country accept an openly white supremacist president to return for a second term? The answer is no. And while many people have not accepted that as I record this, the answer, thankfully, was no. A record 74 million people said, no, we will not allow this in this country. And yet, 70 million people said yes. And I'm super privileged to be able to talk to people like Bobby Rush, who was around playing music in those days. The type of good old days where Bobby would have to play behind a curtain so people wouldn't have to see who was playing at an upscale restaurant outside Chicago. And yet, as you'll hear, there is no bitterness in Bobby's voice. He's always moving forward. I want to say thanks again to Bobby uh, for sharing his stories with me. And thanks to all of you around the world who've been listening to this show for the last two years. Yes, it's our two-year anniversary this month, and uh, we will be coming back with brand new episodes very soon. Please subscribe, share with your friends, and leave us a review on iTunes if you can. I'm going to play you just a little bit of his new song, Shake It For Me. It's the song playing underneath me right now. And then I will bring you our original episode with Bobby Rush. Enjoy. Sing it one time for me. I'll find me a woman. Shake like the leaf shaking on the tree. Well, you went away, baby. 
like you're in your 80s. Oh, come on. Come so on, it's please. like, I assume that you I didn't, were playing with guys, you know, like My Taj manager Mahoma. must have sent you some money to say that, you know, he paid you to say that. <laughs> no, How I, young I, are you? I've been around for a long time. Let me give you a little, little story about Bobby Brush. I was born in a little place called Homer Hainesville, Louisiana. I left my little hometown in 1947. Mm. In 1948, when I met little Walter. Then I moved to Pine Bluff, Arkansas, where I met Elmo Jane and formed a band called the Four Jivers in 1949. Little Walter was still down? Yes, in Louisiana. That was before Juke and all the... Oh, yeah, before that. Before the hits, yeah. Yeah, before the hits. We all migrated. He went there a little before I did, but I went in 1951 to Chicago. When I got to Chicago... Willie Dixon was there, Little Walter was there, Jimmy Reed was there, Bo Diddley was there, but he didn't come to Chester 53. Pick me, Mark, and my Mabel was there, and Smokey Hall, John Lee Hooker didn't come to 56. Howler Wolf come in 56. Ella Jane come in 1957, and so did Buddy Guy come in 1957. Pick me, Mark, and Mom Mabel come in 54, just sold it. Wasn't a lot of people living like Willie Dixon at Muddy Waters' house? Oh yeah, well he had a couple of houses, something kind of like a kind of like the band house. <laughs> yeah, it was like know. the the clubhouse. Yeah, clubhouse. He was like in the back of the old club, and you come out the club and and go into his, this house of his, and it was his house and his uh, residential house where he stayed when. When the musician didn't run him out, it was one of kind of thing. That migration to Chicago was amazing. The amount of people who all came up within the ten, well, ten year period. Well, I'm old enough to know the migration from Mississippi in Chicago, from Alabama, and a lot of Louisiana would migrate to L.A. Hmm. West. Oh, interesting. Most of the people from the Mississippi Delta side migrated to Chicago, but it wasn't a one trip. It was migrated from the Delta. To Memphis, to Memphis, to East St. Louis, not St. Louis, mm. St. Louis to Chicago. Mm. That was the migration because the bus ticket was too high. The bus ticket was for nine dollars, so we didn't have enough money to buy it all the way. So, so you, you did it in stages. Doing the stages, and you worked. Uh, on, I worked on, on the street and playing like we did at Jewtown, my muddy waters, and I didn't play that that much as a little Walter and I did. You, you know? built your first guitar, right? I built my first guitar, the Dilly Bow, they call it, but I call it just a strain. Uh, I got a whipping by my guitar. I built my guitar out of a broom wire, and we only could get the broom wire after the broom wore out. So my dad bought this new broom. I think he paid about 60 cents for this broom back in 1948, 49. And I had 
didn't have a broom. My mom said, well, you have to wait until we were at a broom out so you can get the wire off the broom and make you another guitar after I broke the wire. So I didn't want the bailing wire with the bail hay because it's too heavy. I didn't want that doom, so I want that you know, like the Elmo James stuff. So I, my dad bought this broom. I said, can I have this wire after the broom? She said, yeah, I want the broom wire out. It takes about four or five weeks to broom wire out with sweeping or whatever. So you had, to, you had to wait. So I went and got this broom, and we had the horse trough. So I went and wet this broom and stuck it in a horse trough and got it real wet. And then I went down to the cow pen, and I called a couple of cows. I said, cow? <laughs> and they chewed the broom up. And I went back and told my mother. So you cheated a little bit. Yeah, I cheated. Can I have this? Oh, yeah, you can have the broom. It's wore out. Cow head, you know. But anyway, I made the broom, made the, took the wire off the broom, made it. And I had my, a brick at the top and a bottle at the bottom. So it gave a different kind of sound. Until one day the brick fell off and hit me in the head. And it started to bleed it on me. So I reversed the brick at the bottom and the bottle at the top. That's came the sound. And I called Elmo James. I said, Elmo James, I have your sound. <laughs> so how you have it? Because I reversed it. And it sounded like an Elmo James, like a dust my room thing. That was the start of Bobby Rush's guitar thing, you know. Your father, I, you know. Your father was a pastor? Father, father was a preacher in the pastor church and he was a guitar player. Guitar player. I didn't know he played guitar. I was about eight years old. My cousin gave me a guitar, and I hid it from my dad, I thought. Hit it in the loft in the barn, and the sun got to the got real hot, and the neck of the guitar twisted. Mm. So every few days I would come down like the neck got, strain was this high from the neck, but I would put in this water, and the neck would straighten out. Mm. You know, overnight when I put it back up in the loft, a couple of days it'll bow back up again. But anyway, my daddy told me one day, said Junior, I'm a Junior, I'm not about my father. I said yes, sir. He said, bring that guitar here, boy. Oh, I was afraid he going to take the guitar, give me a whooping about it, because I hadn't planned to play no gospel at all. My blues was on my head and mine. My daddy said, uh, uh, he tuned it up. I didn't know he could play it at all. He wasn't a great guitar player, but to me, that's all I had. That's all I knew. Great to me. He started playing. He said, I'm going to play a song to you, boy. I used to play for a little girl when I was a little older than you. I was about eight years old. I wanted to hear it because I know he's going to play either by my mama I play glory, glory, hallelujah, when I laid my burden down. Mm. But he didn't play either one of those. He said, me and my gal went to Chanky Pin hunting. She fell down and I saw something. I said, wow, my <laughs> daddy and a preacher too? Yeah, yeah. Well, every preacher Man. has a past. Yeah. <laughs> he said, uh, me and my gal went to Chanky Pin hunting. She fell down and I saw something. I said, And my mama said, <clears throat> Like, don't say that to that boy. So I kept talking to my dad about I said, Dad, I said, sing it again. What I want my dad to do to sing the next verse. Now, I know the first verse, he, she fell down. He saw something. And next verse should tell me what he saw. I'm wondering, I couldn't ask my dad what he saw. You know, I'm a little kid. So he said, <clears throat> my mother said, <clears throat> and my dad went to sing it again. I said, Dad, how big was she? He said, oh, she was fat, 350-pound boy. I said, yeah. I said, what's your hat on? He's nothing but a dress. In my little mind, I went to ask my daddy what he saw in this big, fat woman. But I couldn't ask him, but I could imagine in my mind, 
a big fat lady falling down 350 miles with nothing on but a dress. Yeah. Man, man, my little mind was gone. I said, sing it again, Dad. He went to sing it again, and my mama was coming. I said, Dad, Dad, here come Mama. He said, me and my gal with Chinky been hunting. He looked around. She fell down, and I kept running. That's, I didn't never know what the song was going to be. But from that on, I knew what I wanted to be, a blues singer, man. <laughs> that was it. Well, it gets, it? it gets your mind worrying well, about mind, stuff. Well, yeah, you know, because it's a lot of guys influenced me, but that was biggest influence in my life. Being a preacher and my dad, he never told me to sing the blues, but he never told me not to. Well, the thing is, back then, right, this was before TV was really a well, thing. Well, and, you, and plus, the, the gospel thing, most guys, but I would like the devil music. You know, you yeah. would dare to do that. But my dad, being a preacher, never told me not to sing it. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, was, he probably loved it deep down, right? I, he probably did, because, but he never told me to sing yeah. it. But he never told me not to. Well, there's a lot of artists that I grew up you know, listening to that I got into recently again, yeah. Sister Rosetta Tharp. And, yeah, 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 and, yeah. You know, people like that who come from this sort of yeah, religious, religious background, yeah. sort of a tent revival right, right, singer right. background, yeah. but then crossed over into sort of this rock and roll yeah. blues world. And well, be honest, so many people came be honest with from you, that. Zach, if you look back at it, what I do, what Rosetta Tharp did, and a lot of us did, we were doing the same thing on a, on a Saturday night. We said, baby, baby, baby. On a Sunday night, you said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's the same music. You just, I mean, the same music. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know. I mean, there's a certain point where if you want to reach a larger audience, yeah. you need yeah. to you, you start you to, to go beyond it. the church. Yeah. Well, they call it the crossover. You cross through secular stuff, you know. But uh, but the same people you saw on Saturday night, the same people you see Sunday morning, the same people Sunday morning, the same people Saturday night. Atoning for their sins from Saturday night <laughs> at the Roadhouse. And, and sometimes the bigger sins than others, you know, depending on how much you drink, you know. And you did something kind of atypical where you, you went to Chicago and then you went back yeah, to Jackson, I, I, Mississippi, I went right? to Chicago and stayed 48 years in Chicago and I went there and got all of my... I thought I got all the things that I learned. Didn't learn it all, but I learned a lot of things. I learned what I uh, learned. To, I learned what I sh- shouldn't have do, shouldn't have done. Yeah. Then I went back to the southern state where I was came come from. Mm-hmm. I went back to Mississippi where my great grandparents were from Mississippi, but I didn't go back just because of Mississippi. I went back. If you look on the map of the southern states, Mississippi is the center point. Mm-hmm. of the state. I was living in Chicago working 80% of my gig was in the southern state. Mm. So what I was doing, working Friday, Saturday, Sunday in the Mississippi area, the southern souls area, which is south. The Chitlin Circuit. Chitlin Circuit. And going back to Chicago on a Monday, getting there on a Tuesday, staying in Chicago Tuesday and Wednesday, leaving out on Thursday, coming back south. That's was, a long drive. That was a long drive. I was spending all my time driving back and forth. So I said, no, let me let me find out what I can do. So I moved to the southern state so I could be home mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and leave out on Friday morning, sometime Thursday night, and be home. Make the make the road more efficient. Make it more efficient and be with the kids and, and the whole bit, you know. What was, uh, I'm from Chicago. Oh, and, I want to know. Are you really? And my dad, you know, kind of. Would go see Muddy Waters and Holland Wolf and all those guys in the well, 60s, you're 70s. Well, young to know about 70s, know. rather. 70s, yeah, yeah. And it was sort of a part of my 
upbringing, you know, just oh. sort of that music. And I was always a bit jealous of him that he got to go and hang out with these guys. You didn't. Well, at that time, he was like, yeah, Muddy Waters was just a guy who would play at the cafe at, like, Northwestern University. Like old Bobby Rush is now, you know? (laughs) But it was like, now I think, you know, there's like these legends that sort of are put into, you know, the blues myth, you know? But back then, you could kind of go to the cafe and see him playing for five bucks, you know? Yeah, I was, uh, I I, I mean, the first time, well, not the first time I met Muddy Waters, we... I went to Apex in Chicago, 1951-52. I was able to get this job at this place where Muddy didn't want to work there, but Jay Bilanoa got the number from Muddy Water to give me, and I worked at this place where behind a curtain where people wanted to hear my music, didn't want to see my face. Mm. But I remember as a band leader, I got I was making... Three dollars and some dollars or three fifty a night. Had the band leader sometimes five dollars, and I got this gig out, out in Roseland. Hmm. The man paid me seven dollars a night, and I hired Mother Water for five dollars fifty cent a night. You hired him? Oh yeah, yeah. Mother Water was about you know I was making I was making seven dollars. Were you playing five. harp with him and he was singing, or you no, were both singing? No, no, no. I was a band leader. No, yeah. no. I never play, I played a many time on the stage with him, but I never played with no one. Mm. I come out the door playing with my own band from mm. 13 to 14 years old. Mm. And I had uh, my first band I put together was Elmo James on guitar, then Freddie King. And How? I, and I was young, didn't know what I was doing, but I had to amplifize, Sis Roebuck amplifies, silver mm. uh, tones. But I was the worst player in the band, but I owned all equipment, so couldn't nobody find me. <laughs> as, a, as a fellow band leader, I appreciate. Yeah. The acknowledgement that sometimes you can be the worst musician, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you're indispensable to the yeah, band yeah, at the yeah, same time. Know, but but I was you the, write the songs. I write the, I write the song and I was the business, but I had the station wagon, man. Yeah, you know, and I had the credit. You know, I could go get it. You know, because I had this little day job I could do, and and I had people who believed in me. You know, like credit wise. You know, yeah. to let me have an amplifier for this fifty dollar amplifier. I mean, I could get the credit, but sometimes the other guys couldn't have the credit to get it with. You know. Tell me, wait, tell me again about that playing behind the curtain situation. Oh, I, at that time, I really was dumb to the fact of what they was trying to do to me. I didn't The discrimination. The discrimination. I didn't understand it, but J.B. Lenoir did, because mm-hmm. he wouldn't do it. You know, mm-hmm. J.B. always talked about your racial songs and mm-hmm. presidential things. He, he always talked about, but I didn't. He said... To the main, I, I learned later, he told the main, said, listen, I can't do it, but I got a guy who will do it for you. Mm-hmm. So who is it? Bobby Rush. And he the one got me the gig because mm-hmm. he knew that I didn't know about the curtain. It was cool to me because at that time, I'm a young man who playing behind a curtain, and I wanted my girlfriend on the stage. I had this behind the curtain. They couldn't see what I was doing. I would play a little and be a fumble a little. You know, like I had the girls <laughs> behind the curtain with me. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, because we would come in through the back door behind the curtain. The audience never saw me until I got so friendly with the guy. He lady, he said, "Ladies and gentlemen, you've been we've been listening to the music from Bobby Rush and his band, and they would open the curtain up like that, would take a bow, they would close it back up. But the band and someone complained to him. Some of his somebody complained to him by." Seeing the union inward, seeing us, 
And this is in Chicago? Yes, suburb of Chicago. Oh, God, yeah, man. What, I mean, what did they think you looked like? Well, they didn't. They, they, knew, they knew they didn't want to see it. They didn't want to hit the audience, didn't want to see who we were because they didn't want whoever their girlfriend or who they brought yeah. with them. They didn't want nobody to be listening to no black guys playing behind it. That's why we're behind That's the curtain. so weird, man. But, but he said, okay, Bobby Rush. He said, what am I going to do tomorrow? I'm going to put another curtain on the stage. He put another curtain on the stage, put the band behind this curtain. I'm in the front of the curtain. Now, when I take a bow, he can't see the band. They only see me. Mm. So, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Rush, he would open it up, and he never see it. So, you can see the black, black band now. Okay. They only see me. I did that for a couple of times until a guy came up, a Chinese guy came up from Rush Street in Chicago and mm -hmm. saw me and wanted to take me down the loop mm. to play on Rush Street. And I can tell you on record, I'm probably one of the first black men to play on Rush Street in Chicago mm. back in the early 50s. Your next person would be probably be Red Fox, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Dick Gregory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like there was a divide about when the civil rights movement started kicking into full gear of the African-American artists who wouldn't play segregated audiences and ones who wanted to make a living and had to do it. Because well, I, I just I just saw an amazing play about Nat King Cole I did, I did, yeah. and about sort of his journey of sort of becoming the first sort of, you know, TV star and uh, wanting to be able to reach everyone, you know, not just be rele relegated to the black audience, but found that a lot of the civil rights leaders wanted him to step up and to speak out about this, but he's like, but I want to, yeah. I want to make a living. And there's, there's this divide about, and it still carries over today. Like, do you stand up for what's right? Or do you show people your work right. and let it, they let them decide? Yeah. And that's tough. But I'm got, I'm about to take you something that's, that's really going to be real shocking to you and the world. <clears throat> Last year I had the box set, of the year. Mm -hmm. The Grammys. Part of, part of the Grand the Grammys. Mm -hmm. The Grammys are one thing, but the box set of the year mean the reason that some of that came by because the box set of the year is the masters mm -hmm. because I own the masters of most of those things Smart. that I cut. Because I believe I'm the only man ever kind of recorded in the 50s of the chess and left with the masters. How did you how did you well, figure I, that out? I, I didn't figure it out. I, I'm telling you, this is what I'm telling you now. Never been on tape before. Okay. Because you're looking at a man who now I talk about it now. It's a lot of men have been this road that I'm on, but but most men who travel the road I travel is dead and gone, mm -hmm. including Sam Cooke, the Red Fox. The Samba Davis Jr., the Tyrone Davis, uh, the Prince, and on in Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. uh, 50, 100 years from now, you'll find out really why they died. Mm. I escaped the rope because had I am with it because I was, I was too small for one thing, not big enough for another. So, no, I did, they looked over me. It's almost like when the dinosaurs all went extinct, the ones that survived were the, the little ones that could get under 
the dirt. I was one of oh, I didn't know about Bobby Rush. He was so blues singer. Well, but there's something to be said about your continued hard work. Well, and, it's and hard it, work, but then you that never was, stopped. That was that was some that was some love uh, was shared to me by by who even the chess brother thought I was involved in because I could pretty much do what I wanted to do. Let me tell you a little why because. I was a friend of Al Capone's brother. And in Chicago. They, in Chicago. So when people saw me coming, that was they thought I was tied in with Al Capone. I didn't really know the man. <laughs> but I used that for my, to my advantage to do the thing. Like once I oh, that's Al Capone. Yeah, you don't want to mess with Bobby. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. So, uh, so, I, so I got by with a lot of things. They didn't even know the man, but I didn't know his brother. His brother knew me, and he's taking care of me. That's why I worked down, downtown. Uh, I, I, I got in this because I was working, I don't want to get into name calling, but that was a Chinese guy called Kunch. Okay. I was working at Bourbon Street. So I went to him and said, listen, I, I'm going to swing club because I'm, you paying me $5.50 a night. I can get $12 a night as a band leader at swing club. And he said, okay. So, so I'm giving you a two-week notice. He said, thank you, man. You, you, you're open nice to let me know, and I get somebody else. So I went to the sub club to work, not knowing this tied up, not knowing the, this, this Capone thing, not knowing nothing about uh-huh. this. I went to work, so the guy said, oh, here you go to the office and get your money. Went up there to get my money after I worked four days. Mm-hmm. And I went to the same office that I went before. Mm-hmm. And he turned around with a sick out of the same guy. He killed me. He said, <laughs> kid, you're a good kid. I like you. We're going to make a lot of money, kid. I said to him, I said, depending on what I got to do. So you don't tell me what to do. You do what the hell I tell you to do. Now I realize <clears throat> I quit one job, go to the next job, and it's the same man all of all. So I was in mm. because I respected him to tell him no. They notice I was going there, mm-hmm. what I was going to do, same man hired me. So right then, I was locked in. Well, businessman recognizes another businessman, right? I was listening to the <laughs> the, the Chicken Heads 50-year history of Bobby Rush, the boxing. Yeah, yeah. And some of those old songs yeah. hold up, man. The the Gotta Have Money song. Right? Oh, yeah, With yeah. the, I love that line, the money is the root of all evil. Yeah, yeah. And I got the you fever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Call it doctors. I got a fever because I, I don't want to sit, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'm sick about it, you know. Well, you know? tell me how you tried to uh, overcome the sort of unfairness of those earlier days. Uh, through my dad's teaching and through my biblical study. I'm a blues singer, but I'm a biblical study. Not a religion mm. nut, but I'm a biblical study because the Bible is a roadmap to my life. Mm. And I think as many other people like it's a roadmap. And I always have known, especially now, that many things have changed, but most things have changed, remain the same. Mm. And nothing is new under the sun. Everything was, it is, everything is it was. Mm. And I knew that coming up as a as a kid, coming through the racial stuff, coming through the ups and downs. Honor, privilege, and, and most of the things was did to me. Most of the things that was done to me, I did it to myself, not knowing what to do for myself. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Mm-hmm. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I, that was some opportunity wasn't what just wasn't there for me as a black man. But I knew that too, because mm-hmm. I remember I, me and Freddie King went to uh, Mendota, Illinois, in the early sixties. I had a guy on the guitar named Willie Jane, from married to a white lady, mm-hmm. and we went in the club, and a guy came up and said and used the N word. He mm-hmm. said and didn't mean no harm about it. I can tell what he was talking. He said, "Listen." You in where y'all sure can play. I love this music play. Yeah. And he you just went on to say, you so-and-so, so this, you know, the N-word. I love you, you N-words. Man, y'all can play. Yeah. And he would stick something in my pocket. Willie James, who was married to a white lady, was mad enough to fight. He said, man, I said, be cool, be cool. Just if you want to quit, quit tomorrow. We're going to play tonight. I'll do what I'm home. He kept sticking something in my pocket at that time. Getting a dollar, 50 cent was a big tip for us because mm-hmm. we wasn't getting but $7, $8 a night. He went down and we were playing a song, stuck it in his pocket. He did it four or five times. Mm-hmm. And I didn't look at it. I figured I'm going to get me four or five dollars. I'm going to get everybody a dollar piece. Mm-hmm. But it was $100 bills. Wow. I had about $600. Now, I didn't tell the band at the time what it was. So I got chained for $100 bills and I gave everybody a $20 piece. I kept the rest of the money. And I'm the band leader anyway, you know. <laughs> so that was a lot of money. Who we making seven dollars a night, man? And get the guys. A couple of days like that went by and I'm getting guys and I made a hundred dollars. Wow. You know, Fred was happy about that. Sunday night came, this same man was calling us the N-word, shooting poo. Now he's sober. He don't pay us any attention. We playing his song, supposedly, because mm-hmm. we wanted to come do the yeah. tip now. Yeah. So Freddie King said, uh, hey, sir, we played the song about four or five times. He Which song? Shoot with Freddie King. Oh, we're yeah. on the hideaway before we recorded now. Mm-hmm. The hideaway was, because we had, this long story about hideaway. Uh, that was St. Magic Sam's song for 10 or 15 years. Before How's that song go? Hideaway. Yeah. You know, the hideaway. Yeah. The old Freddie King hideaway. And uh, well, he was playing this song, and uh the guy wasn't paying us any attention. So Freddie said, Willie Jane, call the guy. So he said, hey, sir, the N-words is over here. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want this tip now. Yeah. Oh, but two days ago, we was mad. he was mad about wanting to fight about the guy. Right. Now, now the guy not paying us any attention. He wanted to come over and yeah. put some more money in the pocket. Anyway, that's a story where the guy's using the N-word and you're mad about it. Now he pays for this. Uh, the relationship that he had built with us. Now he don't pay us any attention on a Sunday night. We want him to come over and call us that again so he can get some more money. Anyway, that's that's one of them situations, you know. But yeah, but uh, but you know, speaking about me as a, as a as a racial thing, I was brought up a little bit different from a lot of people. Coming from Louisiana, my parents from Mississippi, my mom. Like, my mom had 10 children. Wow. And she was my mom who was in home a lot of time, who was out in the public. She was our babysitter. Because mm. my mom is blonde hair and blue eyes. Mm. And my dad is dark black as from Africa. Mm. And he was my mom's chauffeur a lot of time when he had to be. How did your parents meet? 
I don't know. Um, I, I I know I know, but it's a long story. My grandfather, great grandfather, from Vicksburg, Mississippi, mm -hmm. and so my great grandmama. Mm -hmm. She lived with a guy called Van Spivey, which was a white guy, as a slave. It was he had six kids by his 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 wife and five by my great grandma mm. and living in the same house. So I was told when he got sick on his dying bed, he wanted to split his money and land to his children. Mm -hmm. And the oldest child was nineteen. Mm. He didn't want to split it between his black sister and brother. So he took them, which was my great-grandmama, took them to Eudora, Arkansas. Mm. They raised themselves in a barn. That's where my dad met my mom. I mean, that's, that's got to be, you know, my mom's an early education about, yeah. about yeah. figuring out how to make yeah. it work. It make know, it work. So, you know. I, so, I, I, so I didn't come up knowing about, uh, have to, knowing about have to work in the field for some some white guy who owned the field. I worked all day for no money, but with my daddy deal. Mm. Because you got to understand, my mama blew that blonde hair. Did she And she made the deals for us. So I didn't know anything about working for nobody. But my mama did it I'm for no money. But your dad was a public figure yeah, in, the public community. Figure, in the And did they figure. think it was weird that your mom looked yeah, white? Yeah, yeah. But my daddy played the role what he had to play. I didn't know mm. about the other mm. situation with it. Mm. But I... I, I can remember when I was about six or seven, must have been about six, she went down to this store that my dad was getting some hay mm -hmm. in this wagon. I was in the back of this wagon shooting marbles. And two men rode up on a horse. One was leading the horse, so three men. My mother named Maddie. They said, Maddie, so what you doing with this nigga? And my mother said, I'm a nigga too. Mm. It's just like that. She said, no. He said, you don't believe it? Ask Mr. Bear. Mr. Bear was on store. So when my mom left me in the store, mm. and I, I could tell she said, stay here till I come back, she left me as a babysitter, not as a mama, not right. a son. Yeah. When she went to the store, I saw my mom was another kind of woman. Now, when she went to the store, she was a white woman. Mm. And I could tell what she Shepherd and a little more power. Woman. Oh, she went in. She talked to She was this white woman in the store. Mm. And when she told him who her dad was, the men left. That was my great granddad. Mm. You follow me? And when they found out who she was, and she came back, my dad never knew anything, mm. and I didn't know then either. I just found out later. Mm. You know, whatever she told them in the store. They knew the story of my great granddaddy. Mm. They, whoever he was, he was this it's interesting type you, of guy, you know. You mentioned Eudora, Arkansas. Yeah. Do you know, you ever heard of this artist, uh, Tony Joe White? Yes. I had Love him it. on the podcast uh, right it. before he died, actually. Yeah. And, and amazing kind of swamp blues yeah. guitar player singer. Yeah. He has this song about uh, his parents going to see the devil at the jail in Eudora, Arkansas, <laughs> that supposedly, you know, as yeah. entertainment, yeah, yeah. the families would be told that they had caught the devil yeah, and they had him had in this really jail. In yeah. And that it wasn't necessarily that they all believed it, but it was like, we're going to go see for ourselves yeah, yeah, yeah. if the devil is really there. And that his parents would come back and they were scared. <laughs> like they were like, they believed you it. believed it, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
Tony was a good friend of mine, man, before he passed, man. Oh, man. I just, it's, you know. It's so sad. Oaks out of that. That's my buddy, man, you know. Neither of you have any gray hairs in your head. Yeah, I have some gray hair. I got uh, Clairol in it. I got some gray hair all around the edges, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I tell, I tell it like it is. How do you remember lyrics from songs you wrote 50 um, years ago? I'm, 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 I was talking about this last night. Every night, every day, I thank God at 377 records. I remember most of them. Mm. But I, it's, it's not nothing that I do. It's just a blessing that I remember the songs pretty well. Uh, well, I wrote them all, too, you know. Mm. Uh, I may not remember line by line a lot of time, but mm. when I get to singing them, they all come back. You know, they all kind of come back, you know. If there was a song that you would play, you know, every day for the rest of your life, what would, what would that song be? Probably be Chicken Heads. That was that was the hit, the first hit, right? Uh, probably Chicken Heads. That, that was a song I've been playing... That's several things that I, I, I don't I talk about. You know, I, I like I like a lot of things that I've done, but thing that sticks in my mind, the thing that I love the most, is song like making a decision. Making a decision sometimes show can be the hard. Making a decision for yourself is different when you got kids involved. Mm. Making a decision about a juvenile cry is different when it's your own child because kissing and can and hurts don't cry don't make a grown man smile. Mm. These kind of things, you know. Uh, I kind of slang too because they say so much to me personally, and and I'm always thanking God that for the gift He gave me to remember all of these things. And I uh, I don't know when or where, but God has a lot to remember. There are some things that that I I don't think it's forgetting. It's just that I got so many to remember. Well, it's a, I think it's it is a gift being a storyteller, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's almost like it chooses yeah, you. Yeah, you don't yeah. actually have uh, almost the choice anymore. Like I feel like you oh, know, you're right. I wanted you're, to write, you're... I wanted to write plays and movies, and 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 when I started writing songs, it became uh, something else where I could not stop doing it, even if I tried. Right? It was something that you wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Something's hitting you. Everything stops, and you have to write it down. You have to remember it because somehow yeah, it see, feels important, see, even that, if it's not. If it's, you know, I'm but looking it does. at you, you like just me over, man. That's <laughs> I couldn't say it in a better because that's what I. That's it. You know, I have this new record that I just got down to be out in the next couple months. It says, in a little shack down by the bay, not far from New Orleans, I met this pretty woman down there, the finest thing I ever seen. She went and told her daddy she wanted to marry me. And the look on her dad's face really was a sight to see. He said, get out of here with you, and don't you come back no more. Well, I wanted to meet her daddy like a young man daughter, but I know that he didn't want no blues singer to marry his daughter. Because when I went by his house that day, he met me at the door with her brother and sister, and Big Bad John, the damn dog named Bo. He said, get out of here with you, and don't you come back no more. Well, I stooped down to get married, the judge to do your solemn to swear to take this woman for your lawful wife and not a one-night love affair. Before I could open my mouth to say I do, guess who walked to the door? Her dad, mom, Big Bad John, a dog named Bo. Well, I thought right then if I wanted to get married to the girl, I got to find a way to elope. We decided to go to Las Vegas to get away from her nosy folk. Soon as I got to Las Vegas, soon we walked in, that was all the kin, all the friend of the damn dog began. <laughs> <laughs> Those are kind of things that I do, and, and, and you, you remind me of myself. That's is that, is that based on a, a real story or something in your imagination? Something, uh, 
imagination more or less. But I know I know of something like that with the with someone, mm -hmm. but it was imagination to me because I know someone kind of went through that shotgun wedding kind of mm -hmm. kind of the bit, you know, you know. But you you remind me so much of me, man, as a young man. Hey, I'll take it. Right? I mean, just you know, just to last night there was a house <laughs> party that I played some some yeah. of my own solo songs, yeah. which I don't normally do, and. It's always amazing to me the difference between you playing in your room yeah. and then you playing in front of 150 people yeah. in an intimate environment. Right. And that adrenaline starts That's right. going. That's right. And a song I've been playing for six, eight months, right. no problem. All of a sudden, I, 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 <laughs> all of a sudden you you're changing that? lyrics That's right. on the fly. That's right. I'm like making edits. I'm like completely making up the second verse. It was That's like right. super Here weird. That's right. The brain almost like lifted out of my head and was like, Oh, this song is going to be different now because yeah. now we got people listening. That's why. Yeah, you know? it's right. crazy. And and you get vibes from listening. You can like read the vibes. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, you can really. Yeah. What's the What's the way <laughs> that you get? Do you get warmed up before a show? You get into a headspace where you're ready to I think share about, your stories. I think about thirty to forty minutes being alone. I'm a I'm a lonely kind of person with my music, mm. and I do everything by myself. I don't need no company mm. around me when I'm creating, mm. <clears throat> when I'm doing what I'm doing. I guess you you know when you, when you're into yourself and you get to and you create you know musically and everything else. I can hear. You gotta be by yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, I don't have to have to be by myself. I can be. I can be with someone still be alone because I can tune you out. You know how you. Yeah. You know. I can, well, because this is the only thing that's matter that matters right now. You know. I'm alone. Do you write better on the road when you're home? Oh, on the road. Every time I write better when I'm on the road when I don't have a pen, everything come to you when you can't write it down. Yeah, yeah. And then you got to trust how you remember. Do you write stuff in a notebook? Oh, on toilet tissue. Man, I got man, paper on everything. On paper. Everything. I mean, I, I got paper everywhere. Don't throw anything away around me because I don't wrote on it, man. I, I stopped a few years ago writing uh, lyrics down on paper because I would lose it, and I, I now email myself. Yeah. Because then... That song, you're like, oh, how did that go? And you're like, oh, I'm just gonna yeah. type it into my yeah. email. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because I, I would have journals or different stuff, and then I would, I lose things. I always well, lose me, things. But yeah. I got so many papers. I go when I get ready to do something, I go through my papers and just throw it out on the floor, and I pick up a piece of paper. Mm. I find a verse here, a verse there. Oh, this go with certain sets of things. You know, you you find things. I just write things down. <laughs> what is the right thing down? What does the blues mean to you, like as a, an art form? Blues mean everything to me, not just because I'm a blues singer, but I have gained enough knowledge about life now at my age, knowing where music as a whole, mm -hmm. blues come from. Mm -hmm. It's a root of all the music, all kinds of music and gospel. Mm -hmm. But but if you don't like the blues, you probably don't like your mama. Okay. <laughs> Elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, it's the root. It's the root of a lot of things can come from the blues, you uh -huh. know. And it's so meaningful for me, singing the blues and being the black man who sang the blues. I get disturbed sometimes about uh, what critics goes about the blues, mm. but I'm so glad that young white artists and blues singers and players. Is picking up the blues, mm. but then I'm sad about the young black men and women who distance themselves from the blues mm. and thinking blues is something less than something else. I can understand the reason, because the reason why is because the writers and the radios and everything like that 
talk about the blues being something great when white done it. When black done it, something, it's just something else. So they don't want to be involved with something, just something else. Or that it's like a it's like an old fashioned yeah, sort of yeah, yeah, traditional yeah. thing that's not yeah, has yeah. anything to do with the, you know yeah, current yeah, yeah. sort of awareness. Uh, how many black men is your age thinking about what Willie Dixon done? You can count them mm. because they think it's, it's about nothing. But they've been it, it's been set in their mind for to think about it because it's been written about that it was nothing. And most of the thing was nothing until the white guys done it. Because I remember when Wall Walls come in. And most of the time, it had been invented so the white guys could play like the black guys. The wah wah pedals. Yeah, wah wah pedals. Yeah. But that's all great. But what bothered me about it now, the black guy buying the wah wah trying to sound like a white guy who's trying to sound black. <laughs> that's, that's insightful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but, but if it wasn't for the white guys who playing the blues and love the blues and doing what you're doing with the blues, what would the blues be? So I'm, so I'm glad that somebody. Somewhere taking along, it just that just get credit what's what's due. Let's get what's come from because you know when you when you when you you know I love Johnny Lane, mm-hmm. but but Johnny Lane he done the new, you know I didn't happen though. In a few years you think he the one originated it, mm. you know. But yeah, it's cool. Well, if people know? don't know the history of, of yeah. anything, <clears throat> you get into trouble, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And that and the farther away music is for me from some sort of blues backbone, yeah, that more empty it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, it's More just, bought. it's just, yeah, it's going to be gone. It's going to yeah. be flash in the pan. It's not, it doesn't have a, a, a spine to it. I'm glad you said that because, see, the reason I talk about some of the things I talk about, I mean, I'm glad to talk to you about it because pretty soon, if, if you don't have uh, you or people like you, the people who coming on 20 years from now won't even know where this blues, where this music come from yeah. and who did it and why. But it's all the pain. I think it's. I always say <clears throat> you you got it. You can't blame young kids for their no. bad music taste. You blame their parents. Blame their parents. Right. My dad gave me Robert Johnson's King of the Delta Blues on vinyl when I was like eight. You know that was like a thing that was just in my house. You know it wasn't the only thing we listened I to, know, but know. it was like this is important. That was one thing he was into. Is this is important. Listen to this, and right. that was like a thing that was just sort of like I was told was important. That's you know, right. and I think. Especially in American, you know, music creators, it's like if you're not somewhat aware of where all this music came from, you don't know anything in That's a right. way. You know, you just know sort of whatever's on the radio right now. You know, I was uh, talking to my manager, Jeff, who is just a good man, good man. A good man, and I'm so glad that we put this tour together solo mm-hmm. because I can get a chance to really tell the story of me mm. and men and men before me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to say, I just, I just do it. At, at my age, if I just do it, then people can see through what I'm doing, where I come from, mm-hmm. and where the music I'm singing, and the grandfather and the own back and back and back. And, and, and people can say, well, they don't even have to like me. I strive to be good at what I'm doing. You can say, well, I don't like Obama Russia. But damn, he good. Yeah, that's all what matters. Yeah. Well, I think when we, when you're a storyteller deep down, right? Yeah. The story is more important yeah. than that, you, that, 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 right? Right. And it's like I actually get just as much joy when someone else sings my song. Uh huh. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm about like yeah, that's a story. See how <laughs> she's doing that? Like yeah. And I remember because I've written plays and stuff. The most like the happiest I've ever yeah, been yeah. standing in the back. Yeah. 
of the audience in New York watching them watch this watch show. show. And I'm, every I'm no night, creative, you know? every night, the reaction would be different, right? Some night they'd be roaring with laughter. The next night it would be dead silent. And every audience would experience this same story same completely differently, right? Right. And that's why, like, for me, lyrics, I feel like, can be interpreted in so many ways. That's right. That's right. Uh, so you're, the title track of your newest album, Porcupine Meat. Oh, okay. man. That was, it was hard. It was hard to get that, that Just over. the name of that kind yeah. of conjures yeah. this sort of uh, strange uh, <clears throat> divide. We were like, well, you're not going to eat a porcupine. That's right, right. But I want to know more about that. And, and, and plus, I wasn't talking about porcupine meat. Yeah. I was talking about being in a situation in love with someone that you love more than they love you. And you knew it. But there was something about the person you didn't want to divide from, mm. hoping some way if you just lay in there long enough, you would gain the love. Mm. And you think if you leave too soon, that this person will, will realize who you was and how you felt about him, but it'd be too late. Otherwise, she, you, you'd be going to someone else, and she'd be going to someone else, or what have you. How's that song start? It's on, I'm in love with the woman, I know she don't mean me no good. I would leave the woman if I could. I tried to leave her many times before, but every time I leave, I come back for more. <laughs> now, that's porcupine meat. It's too fat to eat and too lean to throw away. And it's uh, pretty prickly on the outside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty pickly, too, you know. <laughs> See, why, isn't, why, aren't, why aren't lyrics, but especially blues lyrics, Appreciated like poetry. That's what I want to know because I, I used to read Langston Hughes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you would read kind yeah, of yeah, like right. these phrases, like right, you just right. said, as poetry. Yeah, right. Well, that's what songs about. It really is, really. You know, uh, when I was on Chicken Heads, Calvin Carter with BJ Records, I came. You know, I'm off, off the coming up with these. Live. I I can talk to you kind of straight, and I can't talk to everybody like I'm talking because you're a writer. You know. And I said, I have this song, man. I think it's going to be a great song. So what's the name of it? I said, Chickhead. Mm -hmm. So Leo Ostell was his business partner. He was a Jewish witness preacher. Mm -hmm. At that time, he said, oh, no, we can't cut no song. No Chickhead. Now, he was thinking about, you know. Too scary. Yeah, too scary. Can't take a chance with that. He said, you mean Chickenhead? I said, yeah, Chickenhead. And I looked at him. I said, yeah, Chickenhead. He said, oh, yeah, you're from down south. They eat Chickenheads down south. He said, how'd the song go? I said, Daddy told me I want to die in bed. Give up your heart, but don't you lose your head. You came along, what did I do? I lost my heart, my head went too, which had nothing to do with the chicken. He said, oh, yeah. Yeah. You follow me? Yeah. He said, but we need a B-side. I said, I got a B-side. He said, what's the name of it? I said, Mary Jane. He said, oh, yeah, I had a woman did me wrong named Mary Jane. And I wasn't talking about a woman at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I had me two guys. Smoking mirrors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So they know what I was talking about. So it's kind of like when I did with I had this new record I have now. I never told, I never said this on the air or with anyone interview. The name of this new record I'm coming out with now. Getting an exclusive here on showing called the road. Dog Named Bo. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's maybe it's not fully about the dog named Bo. Well, you know, it's, it's talking about this this. I went by this main house, and he didn't want me to marry his daughter because I'm a blues singer. He sicked the dog on me, right. made him tell off all my clothes. And there's a dog named Bo, you know. 
Because of course I got I went on to get married to him. That means I made up with both. Me, me both, all right. <laughs> if you could, if you could set up a tour with three artists, dead or alive, to join you on a tour, who would it be? Probably be Tina Turner. Tina Turner. BB King. Nice. Probably be Elton John. Elton John. Yeah. Interesting. You dig Elton I, I, John's music? It ain't the music. I like I like where he stand, where he come from, mm. musically and on the stage. Mm. I love that he keeps retiring, but and I, then he unretires. But, but, but I like the way he lies and, yeah. and get out of it. You know, he been he been you know lie by retirement. How many times? About a hundred. When are you gonna retire? I'm like I'm like Elton John. So <laughs> <laughs> every year is my retirement show. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a. There was a, a comedian, an Australian comedian, who had this funny thing where, and she's young, but she's like, yeah. it's my going away tour, like I'm quitting comedy after this. Yeah. And then she would be like, well, I'm not actually quitting comedy, I'm just yeah. getting people interested. Because but, if you can get people to think that this is the only time you're ever going to see this the rest of your life. But you know, it's, it's unfair to tell, it got, I got so many artists that I respect, you know. Taj Mahal, I did, and I can respect what he do and what he's done. Mm. Uh, great for dead that all of you not together now but a lot of the guys mm-hmm. that I know from big groups and big rock groups uh, uh, you played with Dr. John on, Dr. The, John, on the Decisions yeah, album yeah, right? Dr. John with Decisions you know tell me about that song Another Murder in New Orleans New Orleans that was awesome Carl Gustafs was doing this song <clears throat> and we was in the studio he said man I'd like to get Dr. John on this song I said give him a call Tell him I'm at the studio. He called and he said, hey, what's your name? He <laughs> said, Carl Gutson. I'm here with Bobby Rush. Bobby Rush. You here with Bobby What's that Bobby Rush doing? You see, he's right here right now. I got the party. He said, what you doing? I said, I'm going to have time to call. How long are you going to be in town? I said, not too long, man. Just as long as you get down here, I'm on my way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not talking about no record, no recording, anything. Yeah. Comes in the studio with me because of a long-time relationship. We was doing this song. Mm-hmm. He said, man, I, what you want me to do? And just off the cuff. Mm-hmm. No plans, mm-hmm. nothing. You know? Mm-hmm. Come, that's, that's how it happens. Friendship. That's how it happens. It's friendship, man. What other uh, good colla- <laughs> good collaborations that you can remember? Uh, I remember so many things. I mean, Chuck Berry was my show enough friend. In Chicago? No, he was in St. Louis. Oh, okay. He used to live in St. Louis. I met him in Chicago, but mm-hmm. I played his birthday party for him many times. He's kind of a prickly guy, right? Yeah, but he never was at his party. He, mm-hmm. I, God, what a funny guy. He played his birthday party, and he never was at it, either one of them. He didn't come to his own party? No. He, 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 the, last, the last one I did, I said I wasn't going to do any more, and I didn't do any more. He come to me and said, Bobby Rush, I'm going to play you. We're going to have some fun tonight. This is all on Friday night. He get, him to get on this old tractor out in his farm. And I can see him going down twice the woods. I don't know what way he turned. Yeah. I don't see him no more in a week. <laughs> Where'd you know? he go? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> his birthday party. A lot of folks there mm. do it every year. Have a birthday party. See, y'all just have fun. I'm going to the store. I'll be right back. With his tractor. You know, he's a farm guy. I don't know. He must have a truck down there. What was he? What was he farming down there? 
everything. Just 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 grass and <laughs> peanuts and butter beans and shit. You know. Take the tractor, yeah. not come back to yeah, your yeah, birthday Yeah, 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 yeah. But but he was a good guy, you know. But I got so many guys that I love and respect. Buddy guys, another guy who's who's been a loyal friend to mine for a long, long time. And I'm hoping somewhere down the line we get to record some thing together because we've been knowing each other from the same home state and the whole bit. I do so many things with him, and we just love each other. And and uh, who's this? Buddy guy. Mm. And uh, there's so many guys that I like to do some things with. You asked me earlier, yeah. But I pinned down three or four people because you gave me three. But mm. it's so many guys. Mm. It's so many guys that I respect and love the music and what they've done. If you listen to Bobby Ray's song. You hear a little of this and a little of that and a little of this and a little of that. You put it all in a bowl. You stir it up. You got mm-hmm. a Bobby Ray soup, you mm-hmm. know. And so many guys I respect, you know, and down to the younger guys, the Prince, the Snoop Dogg, the mm-hmm. order. You know, I don't in, I don't uh, endorse all the things the rappers do and the pants down a whole bit. I don't get into that. But some of the guys do some great music and some great businessmen mm-hmm. because my uh, attitude is about if you if you mad about the pants being down, all you gotta do is lift the head level up and the pants will come with it. Okay. <laughs> you know? And although those are my attitude because music is music to me. If if it did well, mm. you know, it may not be my cup of tea of music, but if it did well, I can respect it. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like the music industry has changed in your many decades doing it? I think this music haven't really changed. I think the blues, we are talking about the blues itself. Mm-hmm. I think the blues to the black people is outdated, mm-hmm. and to the young white people is something new. Mm. I don't think the the the, the, the white guys understand that the black guys not doing it because they think it's something old to do or something they cool to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the young white guys and kids will think that something blues is something to do now. And it's, it's just don't, it's just don't, I'm thinking in my heart that the blacks just don't want to do the blues because uh, it's not swift enough for them. It's not good enough for them. Because I respect all the good blues players around the country and what they're doing. But I'm a little bit different from most of the guys. I'm about, I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I'm about the blues. I love the blues. But I'm, a, I'm about the, Doing it correct. Mm, what does that mean? The bars and what have it. A lot of guys come, even when John Lee was, I respect John Lee, but he wouldn't. It, it, yeah, he, he never it, went to the five. No, he just no, kept going. No, he, he just kept going. I didn't say that. I don't, that don't mean he's wrong. Yeah. It's just that I, I want to kind of do it you know, yeah. on scales and bars and counts and whatever. Yeah. That don't mean I'm right about it, you know. It's just my feeling about it, you know. They made good living with it, so, so be it, you know. Why? Well, I, I remember. <clears throat> trying to learn some of the blues stuff when I was in <laughs> college and listening to John Lee Hooker. Yeah, that, and then I am I can hear the band actually going to the uh, yeah, forecourt. Yeah. And he's staying he's on staying the lawn. On lawn. Staying on and the I was lawn. like, wait, what? <laughs> but it has this kind of dissonance yeah, yeah. that's really spooky yeah. and cool. Yeah. And when he, when he sort of ends the song... It's like the song isn't really over. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's like it's, it's just it's, we're choosing it's, to end it it's, now. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a common most of the time. Yeah. It's not a period yeah. on most of the things. It's everything in with a common, not with a period. <laughs> and I, I like, you know, creating songs with, a, yeah, a little more structure. Yeah, yeah. A couple of verses, yeah. Yeah. chorus and the bridge. I whatever. don't mean we write about it. It's just that. But 
I think what when I first started writing songs, I heard Bob Dylan's Blonde on yeah, Blonde yeah. record, and he would take uh, sort of these songs like Visions of Johanna, yeah, yeah, that sort of went on as long as, as they, long needed they needed, needed the story to, to be told. Whoever, you know? whoever, how many bars they take to tell the story? That's how many bars did you? Yeah, yeah. But you and I write like. I got to write this story within these bars, you know. <laughs> well, there's a certain kind of like pleasure to yeah. getting the rhyme in yeah. this exact Ex- exact timing. Yeah, you know, and then when you can really the English language is such a beautiful sort yeah. of uh, thing for that because you can yeah. find all these ways of looping things yeah, yeah. in this awesome way that is somehow exciting, even though it's been yeah. done a million times That's before. Right. That's, you right. Know? That's right. You know, and you you you. you you know, as you go along doing these, the interviews and go on doing show, you always find a passion with someone who relate to you and what you do. This is an easy interview with me because you understand <laughs> as a writer. Well, I appreciate you, man. Go out as a writer because mm. you understand the spaces, you know, talking about, and what I think. And as a writer, you know, and you can relate to that. And most guy would ask me about some situation just because they want to learn about what I thought about it. Because mm. what I think about a situation don't mean it's right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's just my opinion, mm-hmm. you know? Just my opinion. And there's so many guys that I love um, to work with um, through the years and so many places I've been. I wish I'd been the time that I worked with Louis Jordan, who, who I analyzed as a writer. Louis Jordan, yeah. Yeah. Junior Parker. Louis Jordan's yeah. almost like the the bridge between jazz yeah. and rock and roll and blues, right? Like it, you can see it happening. So, and he was doing it when the early fifties. I mean, so, it was way before. So when you listen to the Barbara Rush record, you hear you hear you hear some modification. Mm. Uh, in what I do, I'm a blues man who modified some licks and some timing and what I am and what I'm doing. And one time, I was so far in the head of myself to it seemed like I wasn't playing the blues. But I'm using was, a lot of synthesizers and yeah. stuff in the 80s. So. I, I, I did that because that was the modification. That was the telephone. Mm. You, and now what I was doing then, someone was kicking about it, but now look at the, look how we've done this interview now. Look at this modification. Well, we're going back a little more rustic That's right what, now. Well, well, this is what we're doing. This is what I was doing. This is what I was doing. Because, see, I knew it was going to come a time that scent is one thing, and real music is another thing. But now it gets to place you can't take a scent from the real music mm. if it's did in music patterns. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Because I remember when I was a kid, I went outside to a toilet because we didn't have no inside toilet. It didn't smell good. Now I got nine bathrooms in my house that smell good. You have nine bathrooms? Yeah, but the point of getting to it, you do the same thing in them. That haven't changed. It's true. <laughs> you know, if I work hard enough, you know, till I'm 84, you know, maybe I can also have nine bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. But, maybe I just need three. But 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 you have to have money to buy food to have, and have a use for the bathroom. What's your favorite food on the road when you're traveling? Probably good salad and uh, good salad. That, yeah, good. Not that much meat. Uh, That's why you look so good. Yeah, a good salad. Not that much uh, meat. If, if it's flies or swim, I eat it. Not Do you exercise? Much. Do you have like yeah, stuff to keep you I, fit? Yeah, I, I, I exercise, you know. 
I exercise. I mean, I, I, I stay pretty. I don't exercise like as much as I should, but I, I'm, I'm pretty. You cook when you're home? Yeah, I cook. I cook when I'm not home that much, but when I'm when What's I'm your back, signature cook. dish? Probably, I cook a lot of bad I love greens and peas and beans and mm. stuff. It's stay away from the meat stuff and a lot of vegetables. A lot of vegetables. He's going to live to 110 yeah, years old, I think. Oh, no, not that much bread, no rice, no potatoes, nothing like that. You think you're still going to be playing the blues when you're 100? Yeah. Yes, who, yeah. Who is the oldest touring guy right now? Isn't like Pine Top Perkins? He was really old. Yeah, right? Pine Top was working with me. He was still a touring. Um, I maybe not touring. I haven't done under 200 shows a year for 65 years. 200 shows a year? For 65 years. Haven't done under 200 for 65 years. Did your voice ever get tired? Yeah. Uh, I get tired mentally, and that's when my voice get tired. The but, traveling is the toughest part. Yeah, the, you know, every now and then I have these little up, the little down strokes. It's a personal thing that I'm go, I go through, but not too many of them, mm. because my prayer is all the time that I hope God keep me enthused, because a man can live a long time without water or food, mm. but you can't live long without hope. Mm. So I'm always have hope and already learning. Like today, this is an interview, but I'm learning something, you know. Do Can you I tell you this? When you told me that you were from, you was out of Chicago, you mm-hmm. young man. So <clears throat> the first thing I said, where are you from? He said, out of Chicago. I asked him, how old is he? I, I, I said that. I said, he's about 50, 60 years old. I said, no. He's <laughs> about 30, 35 in that range. That's what my manager told 34 me. next week. Yeah, listen. I was interested to talk to anyone who out of Chicago that loved the blues at 30-something years old. Mm. That's a rare thing. Well, my dad plays blues harmonica in the band sometimes. When he when we're in town in Chicago, he'll come up and play a tune. We'll do sometimes a Muddy Waters tune or yeah. something yeah. of mine. I wanted to ask you about the harmonica because it's it's something that's hard to teach because it's, it's inside your mouth, right? Yeah. So I remember asking my dad, like, so how do you bend the notes like that? And he's sort of like, I don't know, just try it out. <laughs> you know, like it, like how do you demonstrate that if someone wants to like? Is it almost like a feeling thing? It's know? a feel thing, but it it could be demonstrated. It can tell you know. You, can you, you demonstrate you, a couple things on harp? Well, let me see. Can I, I had one here. There it down. Because I feel like um, there's a there's a mournfulness and a and a and a and a. My harmonica play a little bit different from most guys because. I'm a right-hand person, but I do everything left-handed. Really? Yeah. It's like a baseball player. Yeah. I'm, you know, and the reason why I do the harmonica left-handed because I had the chicken pop when I was a little young boy. Okay. And I didn't want to wait till the chicken pop got well on my side of my mouth, so I reversed the harp the other way. <laughs> you couldn't wait? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't wait to, and, and I learned to play, you know. Was that the first thing you started playing before, even before the guitar? Juice harp. Mm. Juice Hop, man. Juice mm-hmm. Hop playing the country. Mm-hmm. and listening to Johnny Cash. That was a song I was crazy about. You get the hook and I get the pole, baby. You get the hook and I get the pole. We going down the cross that hole. Honey, baby, man. A lot uh, of bluegrass players play that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I... What, what I, brand I love, do you play? You play Honor? I play Honor. I play uh, Lee Oscar, who's uh, my old buddy. He's He got some things that he doing now and. The low C's and low E's and low B's. And mm. That's another thing. 
you know, that's real low. What is the, you remember the first song you played on harmonica? Yeah. Yeah, my dad, my harmonica played my dad. Train. Mm. Train and the Hound Dog. How's that, go? How's that go? My dad said, son, let me tell you about this train and the Hound Dog had a race. I asked my dad, so how did it wind up? He said, you, who you think won the race? I said, oh, the train. He said, no, 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 no. He said, The dog said, oh, wow. And he went on to show me the dog went on to win the race. Dog was there. And he said the dog went so far in the head of the train, he turned around and came back and it ran over his tail. That way Albert Kane got the song from about the dog ran across the railroad track, he cut his tail off, and he would holler and say, ooh. <laughs> My daddy kind of taught me that, baby. And he talked it to me while he was doing it. You ever hear that, remember that band, Jay Giles Band? Yeah. yeah. Magic uh, Dick and the Lickin' Stick? Yeah, yeah. I always tried to get my dad to sing, uh, to play Whammer Jammer. Whammer Jammer. It's like one of yeah. the only... Like rock and yeah, roll yeah, yeah. harmonica like hits, you know that he, song is so hot. But he, but but it was so old and hot and was played well, you know. Uh, I always break the reeds in mine, like every time in the middle. Like, you, well, you you got to get you. They got the better better brands of hops. Yeah. You, you so these are a little better brands of hops. It's old, but it's got the good reeds in it. It costs a little bit more money, you know, just like a car. You you put a little more money into the hop and. Get a better bridge and get better notes and mm-hmm. so on. But if you're talking about bending, mm-hmm. if you're talking about the third note, it's this. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, you say blow your harp, but it's, it's about 30% blows and about 70% draw. Mm-hmm. That's for Bobby Rush. And yeah, you're bit. going in. Going, yeah. I'm going in. <laughs> If I was there, those are those are draw notes, yeah. and that's where the key commit. Feels like that can blow it the other way. Feels like the train is inside the room. Well, here. yeah, right. You know, you you get. People don't realize how loud these things are. Came home last night. A woman wouldn't let me in. 
her to the bedroom. She'll make love to my best friend. That's a tough titty. And can't nothing suck it but a lion. I never will forget what I heard people through the the pain. She was making love to him, but she was calling out my name. That's a tough titty. Ain't nothing suck it but a lion. You know that's a hard pill to try to swallow? Like about what she did to me all the time. You ever think of making an album just voice and harmonica? Yeah. Who's that? There was an amazing harmonica player that did that. Uh, totally blanking on his name. Well, I used to I, get I, a couple I, of his records. I, I, I tell you who could do it well. I don't know where he had a, made a record like that. That was Sonny Boy Williams. Mm -hmm. He could do it well. Mm -hmm. And he played the low C's. Mm -hmm. That's what he played, a lot of the low C harps. I love that. They used one of his songs in a, a David Lynch movie when the, the guy is beaten up. He's trying to like beat up this guy, and it just goes into baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound of sound was both the both the guys, but I like the late the last Sonny Boy better than I did the uh, Have a Respect from better did you? Sonny Boy three. Yeah, three. Yeah, he was a great player, man. Great player. I, I had that vinyl with the was it the top hat? Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. Derby. Yeah. But I'm, I'm hoping you are. Uh, I'm, 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 let me say to you before we get off the interview. Mm -hmm. Let me thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you're doing. It's thank you for what you me. plan to do because what you're doing, you give people the opportunity to keep the blues alive mm -hmm. and the people who do the blues, and educate the people who don't know about it, mm -hmm. what the blues was, what it is, what it would always be. I mean, it's amazing to see young people taking it up. You know, there's a there's a girl I had on this show named Sunny War, and it's like, I don't know if you believe in past lives or yeah, yeah. or reincarnation. It's like she's a young kid playing like Mississippi John Hurt, and you're like, where is this coming from? You know, it just is there inside people. You know, yeah. You want to play a song? Whatever you want me to do, man. You you don't. You, you got your guitar you, here, huh? You don't. You don't uh, game relationship with me here, so we let's, might let's get the guitar out. All right. What do you want to play? A little song about the lady that broke my heart. <laughs> My baby left me here to cry. She didn't even tell me goodbye. I need some time, try to find where to get the woman out of my mind.
begging gin, I'm begging wine, trying to get the woman out of my mind. I need some time, oh, try to find way to get the woman out of my mind. She left me for the week. Says she won't be back no more. I need a little time or to try to find where to get the woman out of my mind. Think about the woman every night, wondering if she ever gonna ever coming back. I need some time. Oh, try to find Way to get the woman out of my Get the woman out of my mind. 